2: On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code greg eighty eight with the Fantasy Football Report, a His radio news show. I'm Hassan Rahim. Uh, joining me today on the show is Dave Cabin. You may know Dave as a senior fantasy analyst over here at The Viz or the host of the radio ship Flash Pod alongside Matt Friedman. Dave is one of the engines who makes His work. We had such a great time uh, having Dave on in week one of the 2019 season. We decided to run it back this year, even though Blair's not here. Uh, you can find Dave on Twitter at FF. Dave, thank you so much for joining me. How's
3: it going this evening? Oh, you know, I'm doing great. Glad that uh, football is back, that I get to be the first guest two seasons in a row, and that I get to talk with you, Hassan. So this is just a terrific night. Things are going great.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Let's just jump right in. This is going to be our FFPC stat attack of the day. Both Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, hey, they both had strong outings today against the Washington football team defense, but Goddard really showed his colors. Uh, he was—he caught eight of nine targets for 101 yards and a touchdown, and he registered a whopping 28.1 FFPC points. Uh, Dave, do you think Goddard continues to out-target Zach Ertz going forward this season, or is it a one-time blip? And uh,
3: this Washington defense, do you feel comfortable streaming tight ends against them? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that I would feel very comfortable streaming tight ends against this Washington defense, even if we didn't have, you know, this crazy performance by Goddard and then also this performance by Ertz. Of course, we do have to kind of keep in mind with the way this team is constituted. A lot of things are going to go through tight ends for the Eagles. So I don't think that you can just say. If there's a team playing the Eagles, their tight end is going to put up a million points. But to the question about Dallas Goddard versus Zachary to listen, I think that Goddard is really, really good. He's shown us now enough times that this guy has what it takes to be an elite receiver in this league. Having said that, I think what we're going to see this season is a bit more of a bounce back and forth between the two of them in being the guy that's going to really lead this team from the tight end position. I still, though, don't want to get ahead of myself here. And I'm going to say that overall, we see Ertz putting up more points than Goddard. But nonetheless, very encouraging performance for uh, the younger tight end. Yeah, I I mean, it was actually a little bit frustrating because I
2: have uh, a lot of Ertz. And and realistically, the reason I have a lot of Ertz is because his price uh, really dipped um, to to really cheap levels in, in my in my opinion, because I had him like pegged as the wide receiver, one in this offense. And uh surprise, surprise, um I was uh, very off on that after one week. Um you know I mean Jalen Rager was out there. He he caught one long pass for 55, 55 yards. Deshaun Jackson saw a lot of work. But here's something that really bothers me JJ Artega Whiteside didn't draw any targets. There's a massive need in, in the Eagles' uh, uh, receiving core. And here's a second-round pick who's unable to get off the schneid. In fact, uh, rookie wide receiver John Hightower appears to be getting, drawing targets ahead of him. And, uh, you know, here I was thinking it was Quez Watkins' season, but he's on IR. So what are we doing with Artega Whiteside? Are you dropping him? Like, do we have any hope for this guy? Like,
3: like what's going on? Uh, you know, I'd like to say that there is hope. Uh but I really think that if in the next two weeks, we don't see him getting much use- much usage i I think you go ahead and drop him. I mean, in redraft, I don't think that there's much of a compelling case for holding on to him um because of what you'd be able to get on the waiver wire and I'm assuming in dynasty leagues where people listening might have him, there's going to be far less options on the waiver wire, but it's definitely not encouraging um You know, in a team that has had so many spots where they could have used him for it, just to never materialize, it really makes you wonder why it would ever happen now.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, that's actually a huge bummer. Uh, But, you know, we really uh, I guess not we uh, as in the Royal. I guess it should just be me. I should have seen this coming. I've been a, a pretty big supporter of his. The only the only, I guess, small bright ray of light here is that John Hightower drew four targets. He had one catch, negative two yards. So maybe they're they're looking into Artega Whiteside a little bit. But uh, Greg Ward uh, saw seven targets, and he you know had a pretty measly five thirty one line. But that's better than Artega Whiteside's zero 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 line, right? So uh, I guess I guess Ward is a guy who I'd consider like picking up in these really deep deep leagues, and maybe even in Dynasty if you if you can get him. Uh, what what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that it it's worth a shot. You could definitely do uh, um a lot worse to start off things. You know, I might not be quite um as excited as you, but yeah, I could definitely see that being a viable option for uh different owners out there.
2: Well, here's something that's a little bit more exciting than Greg Ward talk. Uh, Russell Wilson completed 31 <laughs> of 35 passes for 322 yards and four touchdowns in the Seahawks' 38-25 Week One win over the Falcons. Dave, like Wilson threw TDs to DK Metcalf, Greg Olson, and two to Chris Carson. Do you think Seattle has
3: finally decided to <laughs> let Russ cook? Oh. I'm not going to go on a limb and say that, especially because two of them came to Chris Carson, um, which just doesn't feel like if you're really trying to let Russ cook the way that you would go about things. So I'm inclined to say this might have just been more situational in the way the game played out. But who knows? Maybe they're opening up things a little bit more. At the very least, it is really encouraging. And um, I have to just say, I was really shocked when all of a sudden at the bottom of my screen, I start seeing, you know, Chris Carson with the one receiving touchdown. And then I saw the second one coming in. Uh so yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. As far as the rest of the season goes, you know, I had think you there's reason to think that Metcalf might be the better option for uh fantasy. You know, he might be the more usable, better receiver, especially in a low. I mean, Lockett's been so efficient, right? But Metcalf and Lockett's been good at finding the end zone, but it's possible Metcalf is just better at that. And I think that in this offense, that's what you're going to want. As far as Carson's receiving role goes, uh, do I think that any other running backs will steal looks away from Carson? You know, unless Rashad Penny was available, I'm actually going to go with no here. What about you? Yeah, so that's that's interesting because
2: I, I don't think Rashad Penny is particularly good. And like, so I, I, so we did a, myself and Sam Wallace, we did a massive breakdown of every backfield, and that was just came out like this over the course of this weekend, right. Just in time uh, for week one kickoff. So it's already irrelevant, you know uh, but one of the things that we noted about the Seattle Seahawks backfield is really it's Chris Carson's world. And the rest of the Seahawks running backs are just living in it. Right. Yeah. Um, you've got, you've got Carlos Hyde there. He also scored a touchdown, but didn't see much work until the very end. Like David Moore saw a, a carry, but like, um, so like one of the interesting things was that the Seahawks is like, Rushing offense was stymied on the ground and they actually took to the air, which is kind of cool to see. Uh, Travis Homer saw a handful of carries. You didn't see anything out of DJ Dallas, which is interesting because, you know, he seems to be the, the bigger guy uh, and you thought they give him some work, but I guess he was inactive. And, and Carlos Hyde saw seven carries as well. Interestingly, Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson both saw like an equal workload split uh, from that perspective. Uh, and like Hyde actually rushed one in. Uh, but it's good to see Chris Carson having, you know, this outside role in the receiving game, I mean, six targets. Right. And like earlier this off season, I heard Sean talking about how Chris is one of the backs you want to break structure for, especially in the fourth or fifth round, because um, it's kind of a barren receiving core behind like Metcalf and Lockett. Right. You got David Moore, Greg Olson, Freddie Swain, Jacob Hollister. Like what are these guys? Who are these guys? Right. Yep. And, and, and it's interesting because like he was mentioning that like, Chris Carson with all these, like, you know, this, uh, the abilities rack up like, like targets and receptions would be great on an offense. That's fairly efficient. One like Seattle to your point about DK Metcalf, uh, man, the guy is just a freak. Uh, he actually averaged like 24 yards to catch uh, his, did you see his touchdown? It was just ridiculous 40 yard from 40 yards out. I actually like, didn't, I did not see the
3: replay of that yet.
2: Yeah. Like gen like, like take some time and watch it because it's just, I mean, he's, it's everything you wanted to see out of this kid. It's who, it's who like Metcalf backers thought he was, you know, yeah. And that and that to me is 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 really really kind of interesting because um, he's just this like physical specimen who's able to glide across the field. And again, like Lockett, he's efficient, right? Like, and if you're able to like convert these long touchdowns, but your bigger body and you're able to bring stuff, you know, make this a like, jump ball catch in the red zone. It, it, I'm I'm with you. I think I
3: think DK Metcalf like this might be like that like that massive sophomore emergence. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing here too, that's interesting is Lockett did go eight for eight, 92 yards. And so I think we should probably say, you know, that, uh, this isn't a mutually exclusive thing here, you know, so it's not an indictment on Lockett. It might just be that, like you said, DK Metcalf does live up to what people thought could be there. And if I'm Russell Wilson and I'm in a situation where I'm looking to get a touchdown, now, granted, you don't, know, as, as you said, maybe it was a longer one than we're normally going to see for Metcalf today. But, you know, if I'm in a zone where I'm looking to put the ball to a big bodied guy, Metcalf is like the perfect target.
2: Yeah, but like the good thing is this is a very skinny passing tree, right? You've got you've got Metcalf, you've got Lockett, and you've got Carson. It doesn't look like the, like the tight ends are just seeming like they seeming to just split work here. Like you've got Olsen in on some plays, Disley in on some plays, Hollister in on some plays. So I think this is a very concentrated passing tree. So, I think you can just start both like like you know if they are letting Russ cook, we could see Metcalf unlock it both as end the season as wide receiver once.
3: yeah, that would be something. I do want to take a moment here though, just to say that i I am disappointed that Will Disley wasn't able to put together just another insane performance because we're starting to get away from that uh, scenario where every time Disley plays he just goes bananas uh yeah, well, uh always next week, right <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: and before we get into one of our new games, fantasy, believe it or not, uh, a word from our sponsors. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I mean, look, Dave, I was just earlier sitting around, and I, and I you know, we, we ordered pizza, and we got, we, we ordered some Pepsi with our pizza, and it was just fantastic game day experience. You know, because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, you know? We're passionate fans in this household, and we are the real generational talent fueled by Pepsi, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it, like you and me. And just believe it, like Pepsi is made for football watching. And even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And guess what? Indeed, it's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire, you just like they have, for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it faster. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com blue BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply offer value to September 30th at Rotoviz, We love titles. We love hardware. We love
1: championships. We love winning and we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy best ball mania, $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you gotta go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great Underdog Fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device, and you're gonna make a deposit. You're gonna use code Rotoviz when you make that deposit. Then you're gonna go refer five friends, and Underdog and Rotoviz will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's it's kind of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play. You use code Rotoviz, you get a free entry. No brainer, guys. Let's chase that glory. two hundred grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, they've got a $5 tournament called The Bubble, and you can win twenty dollars in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name. You see the ownership. You see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code roto and chase that
2: glory all right dave welcome to one of our new games fantasy. believe it or not basically i'm going to describe uh, a fantasy performance from the day and you're going to tell me whether we should believe it or not a little bit like ripley believe it or not but for fantasy i really like this one yeah let's do it all right giovanni bernard got four or five passes for 21 yards in the Bengals' week one lost to the chargers
3: oh yeah i think that's that's one where you got to go believe right this is the type of thing that we've seen giovanni bernard do a number of times we've seen Gio Bernardi when he uh, Giovanni Bernard when he fills in whoever the team's Rb1 is that time just perform um you know a bit of a down day for Joe Mixon but I think even if Joe Mixon is getting a lot of usage a line like this for Bernard is something that you know could be reasonably expected. Yeah. So just to add on to that, I actually I actually mentioned in in,
2: in one of the uh, zero, ultimate zero RB posts that Giovanni Bernard, like we should expect him to see a lot of the, the receiving work. I believe Joe Mixon only saw a couple of targets, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, my stats aren't really pulling up quickly, but I do believe that that is correct. Um, I'm but, trying
3: to grab it for you. So keep going.
2: Yeah. Uh, so. So, but like to that point, right? So like Giovanni, this is not a fantasy ceiling type of performance, or or neither is it the kind of floor you want. What it is is a leech performance. Like and I and I use that in like our our um the article a lot, like the term fantasy leech. Like this is a guy stealing away five targets from a from another running back, and he's not really adding much to a lineup, right? Yep. But like those are seven points that like Mixon could have used to go from like whatever his final fantasy finish was to like uh, post a high end performance, and he's not getting that, you know. And so, like, that's where it gets really interesting for me, because um, it's it's not great. I mean, like, he ran more pass routes than Mixon did last year, and uh, for as long as he's healthy, I mean, that's a kind of a cap on, on Mixon's upside, which is a bit frustrating if you took him at like, the one two turn, right? Well, for
3: sure. And then, I mean, I know it's just this one game to start off the season. Mixon did have 19 rushing attempts; that's encouraging. Bernard only had one, but as far as targets go, Bernard. <laughs> Had five to Mixon's two. um You know, neither of those totals are that impressive. But like you said, if Mixon's only getting two targets a game, and even if he's having more performances as a rusher, like he did down the stretch to end last season, those two targets are, might not be enough to help him justify the position where people were drafting him. So hopefully that changes as we move forward. Robbie Anderson caught six of eight targets for 115 yards and a touchdown, and the
2: Panthers' is week one loss to the Raiders.
3: Okay, Um, I would believe it or not, like I was putting Anderson on my teams at the end of it. I was just really hoping that we'd see DJ Moore be the player putting up the six of eight targets for 115 yard, you know, stat line to open things up. Do I think this is going to carry every week? No. Um, Will DJ Moore put things together a little bit more? Yes. Uh, But, you know, hey, Robbie Anderson, I think, is the type of player that you can see games like this from. Um, so it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But still, to start off the season, for me, it has to go under the uh, I guess I would say believe it or not. I guess I would just say not believe there that works.
2: Yeah, I mean, from a weekly perspective, absolutely. I mean, from a basketball perspective, this is kind of what you wanted him, right? Like he was going fairly late in baseball. This is what you wanted him. Uh, I believe all you guys ranked him fairly aggressively towards the end there that like you guys are just rocketing him up your boards. Yep. But what's even better again, and we talked a little bit about skinny target trees uh, earlier with uh, with the Seahawks. But Anderson had eight targets. Moore had nine targets, and Curtis Samuel had eight targets. I mean, Curtis Samuel really didn't do all that much with his targets, and like that's going to be one where it'll be interesting to see um, where they go. They only gave McCaffrey four targets, so it seems like uh, falling in a negative script there was uh, was good for the wideouts. And given you know the state of the of the uh, defense, uh, they might just see a negative script a lot more. Again, with DJ Moore seeing nine targets, eh, the volume's there. Uh, it'll all snap back together right
3: yeah yeah you know you make a good point actually this is one of those games where having not had the chance to go back and actually like watch the condensed film of it yet doesn't feel that good for good for more but i guess you know nine targets is nothing to complain about only 54 yards but listen i think that more is a good enough player that you give him nine targets uh some weeks he's going to break one of those for a long play find the end zone no need to no need to worry yet
2: Adrian Peterson rushed 14 times for 93 yards in week one against Chicago.
3: Believe it or no, no, I would not have believed this. Should I have believed it? Yes. But it's just like, um, you know, he just gets signed. The man's like a million years old at this point. We know that he's such a unique physical specimen. But still, I had these hopes for DeAndre Swift just a couple of weeks ago. on Johnson looked like such a great zero running back play. I don't know, man. Maybe it's Adrian Peterson. What do you think? <sighs> I, uh, it's so not like, going to last. It's not going to so last.
2: Here's the, here's the craziest thing about all this: he had three <laughs> targets. <laughs> when it went like, when do you ever see Adrian Peterson? Anyway, so like, so to your point, yes, Adrian Peterson signed off the street. Look, we know Adrian Peterson is a phenomenal like running back uh, who can like run between the tackles, and that's what he did. Like, he averaged six point six yards a carry. Ex- street free agent uh carry on johnson huge bummer here's the craziest thing about swift is he saw five targets unfortunately and this is really sad the poor guy dropped that like what could have been a yep. second touchdown in the end zone i felt so bad for him but like the only thought going through my head was like oh so matt patricia is gonna use carry on like like DeAndre swift in like the two-minute drill and around the goal line where he got one touchdown. So if you're using your rookie second round running back in the highest leverage situations in the game, including trusting him to take a target that was essentially the game winning pass. Why are you not paying him more? (laughs) That's, That's my question. Yeah. Like what, like what is going on through that man's head? Matt Patricia's is, uh, I, I, I don't know. And I'm hoping that, that we can figure it out. It's a bit of a bummer, uh, because I'm looking at like the target share here. Danny Amendola is going to be a bit of an issue. Like, I think just going forward a little bit for like Swift interim value. I'm really, really optimistic on, on Swift's value over the long run. He was a little expensive to really call a quote unquote zero RB target, but I'm pretty optimistic that he comes on hot down the stretch. Um, around week um uh, hopefully hopefully uh you know around the bye weeks but
3: um anytime you're ready um uh, swift please well you, you know though I do want to just pop in here quickly just to say it is only week 1 i know it feels like all of a sudden we're seeing these these things and you know we finally have something tangible and you know who knows what plays out in these situations but that's kind of the point so i just want to give my uh you know like obligatory make sure that you don't overreact to everything too much in week 1 right Oh,
2: I'm with you 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just amped because uh, we're going from zero to 60 with football back. <laughs> and you know, I, I actually genuinely have enjoyed the fact that there were no preseason games and the off season was as murky as it is Yep. because there was like, people were just making horrific drafting mistakes during the fog of war. And uh, this next, this next guy is actually a pretty good example of that. Uh, Marquez Valdez, Cantlin caught four of six targets for 96 yards and one touchdown in the Packers a week one win over the Vikings
3: you know, for me, that'd be a, a not as well. Like this just wasn't something that I was going to expect. You know, one of the things that Freeman and I have talked a lot on our show about now for a couple of seasons is that this wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver three position in Green Bay feels heading into the season like it should carry value. But what we've seen is that Devontae Adams ends up being the only receiver that's able to carry value from the beginning of the season to the end. However, we're looking at a Game today, Aaron Rodgers throws four touchdown passes. Not only does MVS get involved, but we also see Alan Lazard. So maybe there's something there. I wouldn't have expected it. But now that we saw that type of performance we did today, you know, I'm thinking it could continue, especially in um, the NFC North, which was a division that when you looked at our advanced strength of schedule metrics looked like one that set up nicely for wide receivers to have a good season.
2: Yeah. So the,
3: I, I agree with you in that, like trying to basically figure out who Green Bay is wide
2: receiver two or three years has absolutely been folly um, because like the ADP never matches what yeah. happens when, when we actually, you know, break camp. It's just been absolutely ridiculously like how off script, I mean, I mean, MVS was going in like the ninth round last year where, you know, basically where Lazard is going this year. So it's only Karmic uh, Karmic justice because that the, the roles are, 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 are flipped,
3: you know? Yep. Yeah, I, I know. So we'll see. Um, I, I guess, that, that for me, the larger takeaway here is maybe if you have one of these guys, you can start to feel like decent that you're going to get something this year. Oh, for sure. And we'll just have to
2: wait and see how it happens, because you mentioned it is only just week one. Um Colts is running back. Naheem Hines rushed seven times for 28 yards and a score. He also tacked on eight catches for 45 yards and another TD in, 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 in Indianapolis week one lost to Jacksonville.
3: Let's give that man a round of applause. What a performance that was. Uh, that would be another, believe it or not, like I just would not have expected that. Now, granted, we did have some unforeseen things Marlon Mack with the Achilles injury. Hopefully it's not too serious. If it is, then Hines definitely hits as one of those year running back targets. Even with Jonathan Taylor, what we started to see was we knew this going into the year, right? Phillip rivers likes to dump it off. Hey, it catches Naheem Hines can definitely do that scores the touchdown. Um, I think that this could continue. Um, I would have thought, though, that it would be Jonathan Taylor scoring the 20-plus points this week. Um, so I'm a little disappointed there. Still, though, um, you know, perhaps we have a situation where both of these guys, who I've been big fans of, uh, you know, string together good seasons.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm with you. It just, it's just a little surprising. I mean, so in the in the Zero RB uh, Ultimate Watch, I did mention that the, uh, that the wide receiver core behind T.Y. Hilton was fairly wide open as we entered the season, and it seems to be... Fairly wide open. Paris Campbell seems to have actually stepped up. Yeah, but that's Jonathan, with Jonathan Taylor saw six targets, caught all six for 67 yards. Um, really that, um, I'm actually kind of impressed that, uh, the guys who are doubting whether or not Jonathan Taylor can catch the football are, are w- w- what they're doing, but, but, but that's okay. And then, you know, you have Heinz who's, ste- who's stepping up as well. So, and, and then you got the rest of these also rands, uh, Moali Cox, Zach Pascal stuff, you know, guys like that, even, or, you know, their second round pick Michael Pittman, uh, whatever. Uh, right. So, so you've got, it's, it's interesting. And I do think that Hines might, like this might actually be a role that he carves out this year going forward because it is kind of unsettled. And um, I do believe that uh, the fear here is so. So Mac actually, I believe, was uh, was stretchered off. And the fear is that he tore his Achilles, which is a real shame for him.
3: Yeah. Um. Yeah, though. But so and this might be entirely unrelated to where you wanted me to go with things here. So I'm just but I'm going this way anyways because I'm just so enam- enamored with Jonathan Taylor. But isn't it so interesting? You almost had to know that in 2020 we're going to have a situation where Clyde Edwards-Helaire I believe finished that game um against the Texans on Thursday night with zero targets, zero receptions. We see Jonathan Taylor going 100% on his six targets. So 2020. I,
2: I you know what? Actually had I actually sat down and thought, Oh yeah, twenty twenty is gonna hit this game hard. Well, <laughs> if, I mean I mean if if you want to talk about twenty twenty hitting this game hard, talk about Jacksonville, the Jaguars, like winning this Oh yeah, outright. that's right. Like 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 oh, there's a Survivor Pool that I'm in and half the field is actually fully
3: eliminated because they're all one Indianapolis Colts. Oh wow. Uh, not that many people that's care here, scenes. but yeah. <laughs> who'd you go with to start? I'm actually not in uh, the Survivor Pool, so I'm interested. Uh,
2: the belts. Oh
3: nice, nice. Okay. Yeah, I
2: mean I mean I I, I get the I get the excitement of going with uh, going with the uh, going with the road dog. I mean road favorite, but uh later. See ya <laughs> Yeah. Uh the Kareem Hunt rushed 13 times for seventy two yards in the Browns' week one loss to the Ravens. You also added four catches for nine
3: yards. Yeah, I believe it. Um I think that they're especially when the team decided to sign hunt um, on that. I believe it was a two year extension that had to be a signal that they were planning on using him. Um, So I I think that this is representative probably of the type of split that we're going to see between them through the rest of the season. Um, If you're a Chubb owner, I think what you're hoping for each week is going to be those touchdowns. I think that it's going to be hard for Chubb to give you what he was giving his owners in the beginning of last season. And that's just kind of something you're going to have to live with. Um, so if you're a person that got Kareem hunt, you know, towards the beginning of the summer, cause I think he did start to creep up a little bit. You're feeling really good. If you're a Chub owner who got Chubb, even in like round two, I think you're starting to feel a little uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing was just the fact that like the Browns spent so much time in negative script here. I mean, I mean, I mean, bigger Mayfield looked like just, yeah, that's a good absolute, point. just trash garbage but uh but you know we're going to we're going to really get a better idea of what they're going to do in the event where they face similarly poor teams in the Bengals and Washington in the next two weeks so let's see how they handle it because uh you can see if you can if you can like envision the the Browns falling behind early uh that that might just have to be a
3: signal where you're starting hunt and just sitting sitting job unfortunately yeah you know the other thing that I just want to quickly mention here too is I've been a big proponent of just how talented I think that Nick Chubb is. I think he's a tremendous running back. But when you look at these two backs as a whole, I don't think that anybody's going to tell you that there's this huge discrepancy between the two, which is another reason um, why this Hunt signing is particularly impactful.
2: Hey, I'm with you. And
3: uh, let's talk a little bit about, let's keep this to backup RBs as well. So
2: Joshua Kelly rushed for 60 yards and a TD on 12 carries in the Chargers' is week one win over the Bengals.
3: You know, I don't think I would have had this reflected anywhere in anything that I put together, but I guess this is one of those, I'm going to say, believe it, just in that um, I think there were reasons to point to Austin Eckler not getting all of the work. You know, Curtis Patrick had talked about Joshua Kelly being the type of guy that makes for a solid pick Um, and that had a compelling case for being somebody that would get involved. And here it is coming to fruition. Um, So, yeah, definitely encouraging. And I'm I'm kind of wishing that I'd gotten more exposure to Kelly than I did, Uh, because, yes, it's only one week. It is week one. But, hey, I mean, this is something you can point to as a really positive start.
2: Yeah, and I believe uh I mean so in the just I can't keep referring to it because it's fresh in my mind, but yep. in, in the in the in the ultimate zero RB watch watched this, I did mention that Joshua Kelly was clearly running as a running back two in camp. Um Justin Jackson seems to, and then Sean noticed this as well, was that Justin Jackson was dealing with some kind of an injury and he seems to have re himself and he had to leave the game. Yep. Austin Eckler, I should be receiving a lot bigger target share. But I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I guess, I guess running for like, Ty- Tyrod doesn't really like target the quarterbacks or uh, running backs for some odd reason, which is really stupid because like Eckler's is ostensibly one of their best playmakers with the mm-hmm.
3: ball in his hands, especially in space. Yeah. You know, so this is one that I'm really interested to go back and actually be able to watch some of this game because I heard people talking about Taylor, like he played absolutely horribly. So that's not helping, uh, you know, any of these players out yeah
2: I, this is just so we had kevin cole on the pod a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned the same thing just like Taylor was terrible when he was at cleveland as well like he was really just yeah a, a, a of be bad right <laughs> like yep. and 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 uh, it was it didn't take long for him to get like benched and i think that that's happening again
3: um, uh yeah can i share one this is entirely unrelated to anything but um, earlier in the week, I was looking at some things. Do you remember when Terrell uh, Terrell Pryor was playing receiver for Cleveland? Oh yeah, dude, his numbers that year were actually pretty crazy. Um, I know. Was, <laughs> I, I it, should. That's bra- why I bought in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, unrelated there, but uh, that's worth people going and taking a quick Google on.
2: Oh, for sure. Like it, it's it's, cr- it's crazy how close he came to like being a thing. Yeah, I know. It really is. All right, so item number three, uh, Zach Mosh rushed nine times for eleven yards. In the Bills week one went over the Jets. He also added two receptions for sixteen yards and a touchdown. Dave, that may not sound like much, but he appeared like like Moss appeared to be the clear cut goal back for the Bills, despite Singletary, you know, getting the quote unquote start. You know, do you think Moss has earned himself some increased playing time going forward? Or is
3: it just something that you want to monitor and you're kind of iffy on, on starting either player? uh you know i really don't have a good feel for what a team like the bills will do uh but i think that you have to view this as a sign that the team already is recognizing the fact that it's possible moss might be a more talented back or at the very least is the type of guy they have to get usage for uh the fact that he's already scored a touchdown um you know, in, in the receiving game, I think is something that's important. And, you know, I have started to feel better and better about Moss's time went along this summer. So yeah, I'm buying the fact that he's probably going to get more playing time. You know, the the rushes of nine yards doesn't feel like a lot, but still he is a player that is a rookie playing behind a player who had a bit of a surprising year last year with how good he was. And the team just could have said, we're going to trust Singletary. We're going to let him start off. We'll kind of work Moss in slowly see how he does. But I think that's a pretty good volume for a guy like Moss right off the bat. So I'd feel good about that if I'm a Moss owner.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so we were lucky enough to get Moss uh, and and, and the TD that he scored was actually receiving TD. Realistically, the goal line back here and their primary running back is Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had 57 rushing yards today. He had, I believe, two rushing touchdowns as well. So, like, what are you going to do, right? Right. Like, right. And it's, and, and it's kind of, uh, just to, you know, close the loop here, uh, similar to this next player in Cam Newton, who completed 15 of 19 passes for 155 yards. And he rushed for 75 yards and two scores on 15 carries in the Patriots week one win over the dolphins. Dave, I put this question in, especially for you. I know you're a Patriots fan. We can end with them.
3: You know, what were your thoughts here on Cam Newton's debut? I thought it was a fantastic debut, uh, for a couple of reasons just that we were able to see Cam come into a game where it looked like he had a pretty decent feel with some of these players. Uh, Josh McDaniels and the offense seemed really excited about having him incorporated in. They used him in, um, you know, some fun ways. He was running a lot. There's a couple of plays where he was just doing things that you wouldn't see Tom Brady doing. So I think that gives um, a new element naturally that defenses are going to have to account for. I also thought that we saw him start to have a bit of, uh, you know, a connection within Keel Harry, possibly Uh, Julian Edelman, you know, still remained involved. Uh, Do I think this is one of the best offenses you're going to see in the NFL? No, just because I don't think the overall talent is there. But for this weird offseason for Cam to come in, gel with the offense like that, we didn't get to see him do too much as a passer. But, you know, he gets the two touchdowns on the ground. He looked really healthy, I thought. Overall, this has to get you pretty pumped up. I'd like to see another player in this offense emerge. You know, the the running back situation, though, is going to be one that I'm still not really sure what we do. And um, it looks like they're going to want Cam to be involved as a rusher. Uh, So as long as he's not banged up, that only really muddies the waters even further in the running back situation, which in hindsight is something that people probably should have been talking about even more when discussing these running backs. The knock was you're not going to know which one to play. Uh, But we weren't even really always accounting for the fact that, you know, Cam might be taking away the most important stat those guys are going to get being touchdowns.
2: Yeah. And like, I actually was kind of cognizant of the fact that Cam was going to be doing that. He kind of did that during his time in Carolina anyway. He's one of just the best red zone rushers. I just didn't know how much we'd expect yeah. to see of him because he had that foot injury, right? Yep. And 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 like he has zero compunction about checking down to the running backs. Like he is a very good <laughs> bachelor of the, of the football.
3: And at the very least, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but James White very very good at what he does, right? Oh my god, yeah, James White's fantastic. I, I actually think that it's possible James White is the most talented uh, player that we have on the offensive side of the ball you know when it comes to doing exactly what he does how good cam is we'll get to see you know maybe he's actually better um and maybe i'm underselling edelman who knows maybe harry's as good as he is i thought coming out of the school but you know to the question james white's really really good at what he does
2: yeah i so i mean blair and i were talking about this a little bit and like i had aj brown ranked ahead of harry me too right yep and But, like, it's very difficult because, you know, the kind of similar-ish profiles, kind of similar-ish builds and statures and speed, I just thought A.J. Brown was a significantly better prospect. And I think that that's something that I I couldn't really put why to it. But I just, you know, I figured against the level of competition, some kind of, like, reason that I'm just stating now because I wanted to back into it. But that's the thing is, like, I don't know what it was about A.J. Brown versus Harry uh, that, that, that I preferred. But, like... You know, I mean, Harry showed slash some upside with Brady there last year, yep. and uh, and uh, I'm kind of optimistic on 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 his outlook here. And I'm kind of optimistic in Cam. I mean, let's get real here, right? So like, the Dolphins, um, they're one of like they're basically the Cleveland Browns from like a couple of years ago for this <laughs> season in, in 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 terms of like how optimistic people were on that right? Right. right. Uh, you know, like this is still a team that if the Patriots are, are as bad as we think they should be. They shouldn't just be manhandling the squad. And I do, and I'm really not sure how long Ryan Fitzpatrick or how long of a leash he has, especially now that the team has selected Tua a tug of Viola. Yep. Like with their, you know, this is a very, um, and I hate to draw this parallel again. It's kind of like Tyrod and Baker, where you select a quarterback so early, your fan base at some point is going to demand you move to them. Whether, the, whether, whether your coaching staff thinks they're ready to play or not. This is not an, an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation.
3: Yeah, you know, also, he's a guy that uh, figures to be pretty exciting in a lot of phases. So, you know, some of the things that Ryan Fitzpatrick could do that make you inclined to play him, you know, it's very possible the team thinks that Tua can do the same type of stuff. So, you know, I don't see any reason not to not to rush him in there. if Things are going south other than trying to protect his health. Um but, you know, it's very likely that they're interested in just seeing what he can do. So we'll have to see there. You know, as you mentioned, though, about uh, I want to go back to Harry there, though, for a couple of seconds. I think what broke the the tie for me between Harry and A.J. Brown was the fact that we saw Brown playing alongside Metcalf and in so many cases did appear to be the better receiver. Um, So for me, that was the type of thing that I could use to break the tie Um, and Ingram. But he was, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So there was kind of that piece, which I think was pretty big. And then it looks like AJ Brown might be one of those guys who just has it, whatever it is. And I'm not sure that Harry does. But I also felt like today with the way that the team was operating the offense, the different sets that they were in, it works to getting a young receiver like Harry going. There's going to be some plays where it's a more simple route. Uh, You know, just hit him on a quick type of pass, get his confidence up and keep things moving. So I'm feeling pretty, uh, pretty pumped up about him, too, though. I do have to ask you, Miles Gaskin, not a crazy amount of workload overall, but it did look to me like Miami wants to get him involved in this game. Matt Breida did not get many looks as far as Gaskin goes. Do you think that he should be a guy we're looking to get on the waiver wire? I don't know how much of that game you saw, but uh, Miami was using him early and fairly often.
2: Yeah, so this is one where I was drawing on uh in in the zero RB like washes I had him like at the RB4. Yep. And I was running off of the assumption from what Miami did last year, right? Which was uh they didn't use Gaskin at all. Yep. And that's changed. And this is despite signing Jordan Howard in free agency and trading a fifth for 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 Matt Brita. I mean, I Jordan Howard is just like the ideal like, why were you drafting him in wherever round you were drafting? Like, he just would go <laughs> off the board. Yeah. And I, like, and like, like, gun to my head, I don't know where he would go. Right. Like, and I'm just trying to, like, look at a, like, a, like a, one of the drafts that I've done. Let me look at it, and just see where, 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 where he went in, in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It, what actually might make more sense. Can you actually tell me where he went in your most,
3: in your, in like, the last main event draft you did for the FFPC? Uh, I think it was probably. I honestly think it might've been around like nine or 10. What?
0: <laughs>
3: it might've been that late. Hold on though. If you give me two seconds here, I can open this up. Late? That's early. <laughs> oh, is it? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean,
2: like like when you're, when you're drafting someone there, right. That's kind of like you're drafting a flex player.
3: Well, you know, yeah, actually that's a good point. Um, I'm going to be honest with you though, Hassan. I have done so many drafts over the last, like, oh yes. five yeah five days been, it's, that it's all a blur and i really don't know but now now i'm i'm um hold on yeah I'm, yeah I'm opening this up so let's see so the last one that i would have done would have been um and, and we're gonna find out that i was lying about that i think um this is a great radio for everybody out there yeah so but I, sorry but i'm just curious everybody right, i have it up no no jordan howard yeah round 10 my god, man. You want to know I who mean, he went to? Um, <laughs> uh, you guys, yeah, he went to he went to me in this case. And the really the only reason was when I was looking down my board. Let me guess. Uh, uh Supreme 0 RB build? <laughs> yep. And I go. basically had all of the other running backs in that range. I was around like 30% and I only had Howard on like one team across all oh. the teams that I have. So it just made uh, sense. Oh, you hedged out. You hedged out. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, that's fine. Yeah. But so the point is, um yeah you know he was going look, pretty late, although even I mean, that case was early but 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 from a
2: from a preseason perspective, it makes sense because they brought this guy in on free agency theoretically because they weren't happy with who they had on the roster. yep, and now now and now you're telling me that they are happy with who they have on the roster, right? so I think I think next week's going to be kind of interesting to just to, to see what happens. and it, it does look like they're clearly using Breda in like this hurry up role, yep. Which is in which is, you know, so if you expect them to, to get blown out or whatever, you should be like hoping Breda does because it doesn't it looks like Breda's kinda lacking that like that patented burst a little bit. But yeah, um
3: and then just so everyone knows, stuff. yeah, the breakdown was Gaskin nine attempts, Howard eight, Breda five attempts, and then um, you know, we actually saw uh Breda zero targets, um two for Patrick Laird, yes, and then four for Gaskin. So kind of an interesting split between all of the backs yeah and that's and that's where it's weird because they got all
2: four rbs active
3: yeah and then of course you know you have fullback chandler cox there as well who i i don't think actually recorded anything but uh, i just felt like mentioning him because <laughs> he's he's on the sheet i'm looking <laughs> at right now awesome yeah no I, I i i think that like howard's
2: just the guy that you're going you might have to just plug him in when the fins are favored and uh hopefully hopefully they're favored for a while yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know when, but like, yeah, I I, I kind of feel you like the need to hedge out because like when you're building out a portfolio, you're going to have to balance out like, your risk somewhere. Right.
3: Right. Well, you know, and the other thing was with um, and I wasn't even really factoring into gas, factoring in Gaskin, which, yeah, I probably should have been. But it was just the thought of like, you know, there's a good chance that something crazy happens and Howard has to be the one that emerges and the team uses, especially because we know that there are issues with Brady's health. Uh, so it just felt like a guy you'd want to get a little bit of exposure to. Um, but, you know, we'll see how things go there. I will say after leaving today, I think the player I'd be most interested in would be asking because he has that good mixture of being used in the receiving game, being used as a rusher. And, you know, it feels like game scripts maybe he has the access to the majority of them or, or to more of those game scripts, the different way things can break than the other two.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely kind of excited uh, at the very least for pretty much, I guess just week two. I mean um, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, we're at the halftime, just for the listeners, whoever's still listening, we're at halftime of the Cowboys Rams game. And buddy Ceedee lamb is the truth is he i have not seen this yet what's he doing oh my god five targets four catches 57 yards oh nice he's, he's the leading receiver on the dallas cowboys
3: oh nice um oh yeah uh i'm i will be happy about this too because um you know with freeman freeman really thought that jerry judy was the better receiver i like to Lamb a little bit more you know freeman's gonna like it either way because Ceedee lamb is on the cowboys but uh makes me happy nonetheless Hey, Judy plays tomorrow and with Cortland Sutton looking very,
2: very iffy. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does.
3: Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I guess I can't write off uh, Judy yet, seeing as the guy hasn't even played yet. Yeah, but this is
2: very reminiscent of that A.J. Brown of that A.J. Brown um, uh, rookie game where where he just came out and <laughs> it's just dominated the <laughs> opposition. Like, like, I mean, I mean, A.J. Brown did it on like four targets because uh, the dead Titans and all that. But like he had 100 yards yeah but but man buddy cd lamb is is
3: is the truth he is you know the other thing that's been disappointing uh well granted i only saw a little bit before we got on here but dude feels like the rams really want to make a point to keep malcolm brown involved i saw cam makers getting some usage
2: uh, i'm so mad it's gonna be like the week one like like malcolm brown just shows up like they just have to justify the amount of money they're paying him at this point right yeah, that <laughs> might be true. Like, like, just they paying him so much, and like Cam Acres is clearly so much better. Yep. Like, like at the very least, like like Acres still has the one target, and like Brown has three. I don't know why mcveigh is using him as like the primary back. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic and really bullish on on Acres. I was taking him in the six everywhere. Like if I missed, like I was trying to like split my exposure between Acres and Swift in the y- six.
3: Yeah, I could, I could completely get that, and um. You know, I think that they're both players that in a different class with things going slightly different ways, people would have been all over. And, um, you know, I think some people weren't sure what to do with Akers landing spot in L.A., but so far it's looking like this team's keeping pace with uh, Dallas. They actually might have an offense that can put things together and allow Akers to be the type of back that some of us were thinking he could be.
2: Yeah, provided Sean McVay stops deciding that like Malcolm Brown is actually worth thin carries too. Right, right, That's the key caveat. Yes. So, so tilting because like Acres is so talented. I mean, uh, you know, you can get a ten percent discount to RotoViz using uh, our, our our promo code, which is RotoViz Radio.
3: Yeah. So actually, um, all you have to do, well, there's two ways you can do this. You can go to the RotoViz and then go to the podcast homepage, and there's directions there. Or when you go to checkout, so you go to RotoViz, you go to subscribe, you enter the promo code RVRadio2020 for the one year subscription you get 10% off.
2: Yeah, and that way you get access to all of our great tools and information. Quite frankly, I was looking at the Prospect uh, Box Score Scout when I was writing up uh, Cam Makers for the Ultimate Zero RB watch list. And man, this guy is like ceiling comps are mouthwatering. And his basement comps are like scary. And I really think that he's closer to the ceiling than he is to the basement. You know what I mean?
3: Well, yes, because as I've been preaching for what feels like a year now, this guy was playing behind a non-existent offensive line at Florida State. The worst offensive line, maybe even just talent wise, since they've had since like the 70s, um, it really was that bad. And I'm not saying like in comparison to what the school had at that time, I literally mean the overall, if you assigned every player on the line a Madden rating, it might have been the worst it ever was at like any period. 12. Yes. Yes. When acres when was there, it was so yeah. bad.
2: Yeah. And, and actually that was the one thing that I like, I really think there's not his athletic comps that is like, like pulling the rating down. It's his production. Right. And that's and that's where you're you're going like a step further. You're mentioning, oh yeah, the the Madden like it's the O line, why why you couldn't get anything going, which you know it kinda matters if you're unable to get anything going.
3: Exactly. Well, the other thing too is that team was in complete shambles. Like the offense you had a situation where Jimbo Fisher basically quit on the team. Um, and then when he left, they brought Florida State brought in Willie Taggart. The system he was trying to run just did not work for the offensive line that they did have there for the players that were remaining. There's a lot of like Juco transfers getting involved, players that were not division one players. The offense just had like no identity. Um, you know, it was a complete, complete disaster. Um, but if you look at his freshman season at a very young age, you know, it was just so tremendous. And as I've said now on so many shows, I'm sure people have heard this. But there really were reasons when you looked at his freshman year that he was the best back out of those guys that had to come before him that included Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman, Chris Thompson. He really looked like he might have been more talented than any of those guys. Oh, by
2: far. But uh, but 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 now we're just rambling on to ramble. <laughs> uh, that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Some very special thanks for, uh, to our guest Dave Cabin. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Dave Remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio news uh, Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for Blair Andrews, Amazon and Rahim. Thanks for listening.
4: Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter, at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, slash podcast. say playoffs NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online have you covered. Get in on all the action including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures and props. So take advantage of the return of sports and remember the casino never closes. Check it out all day all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code blue wire to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.